Hello, and welcome to today's episode of M3 Minutes. I am your host, Christy Ingram, and today I will be chatting with Mr. Michael Grove, Chief Operating Officer at Hotstats. Today, we will be talking about their product offerings and industry trends. Awesome, awesome. So, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm Christy Ingram. I'm the Partner Channel uh, Sales Executive over at M3. So, um, let's jump right in. So, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and Hotstat? Sure. Um, so, yeah, my name is Michael Grove. I am the COO at Hotstats, um, where I have now been for the last three and a half years. Um, I'm a hotelier at heart. I've spent 17 years in the hotel industry, um, predominantly with the Radisson Hotel Group, where I, I guess I started the, the main part of my career. Um, and more recently, yeah, been in the data world with, with Hotstats, kind of networking with hoteliers from all around the world. I'm, um, I'm originally from Wales uh, in the UK, um, where I had my first hotel job back when I was 18 years of age um, at a, a local hotel just around the corner from, from where I grew up. Um, and I was fortunate enough, having uh, failed my, um, I did my, my two years in college where I studied sociology, psychology and maths. Um, maths obviously falling quite nicely into what I, what I now do. Um, although at the time I'd actually uh, failed to, um, to, to finish my, my maths qualification and then moved into uh, into hotels because I, I didn't really see myself going into university and um, and then fell into into finance and hotel accounting strangely enough uh, where i spent most of my career um i guess going back to the beginning uh, i'm very much uh, started in in food and beverage where i think i i still to this day i'm very much passionate about hotel operations and and the kind of where I, where I spent my most enjoyable years in, in hotels. Um, I started on the bar in the local hotel. And uh, as, as many of many people in the industry have this very similar story, um, I then found myself from the bar moving into food and beverage. So I did quite a lot in uh, conference and events where I was conference and events manager of this hotel uh, for a few years. And then, uh, yeah, moved my way into front office where I became a front office manager for a couple of years um, before I got tired of the shifts and the, the long hours and decided that uh, I would take a chance in finance um, where the hotel had actually had an outsourced accounting uh, service. Um, so uh, I guess very apt for this for this discussion as well. Um, it actually worked really well for me because it was a leased property, uh, which meant that Radisson Hotel Group um, had an active interest in the property, but there was no real complications with owner discussions, etc. So it was a really soft landing for me in, in the, the hotel finance world. Um, and then yeah, I spent uh, a couple of years doing that uh, as hotel FC of, of that property, but albeit with outsourced accounting, before I moved then to um, a Radisson new opening uh, in, in Bristol in the UK, where uh, after 18 months and eight opening dates and lots of uh, lots of fun in the hotel operation, um, I then packed my bags and moved to Brazil uh, to to take some time out and do something totally different. This was the I think the third time I left the industry before deciding to then come back um, to the UK. Uh, moved back to the UK and uh, got a job as a regional financial controller then with Radisson. I have, with my experience that I'd had with, with a few financial controller positions, 
I was also financial controller of a, a city centre hotel in Cardiff in, in my hometown uh, following the, the, the move back from Brazil. Um, and six months in, they, they promoted me to regional FC for UK. Um, and then I moved to the Middle East where uh, I was based up at Dubai as regional controller there um, before moving to a third party operator in the UK, which was my last stint uh, as in, in hotels and in hotel finance. Um, and I had this this company Hotstats that I had, had kind of used um, the, the tool in a few different environments before, saw um, that they were recruiting and actually passed the job description around to a few of my friends who I thought would be uh, I think we're, we're more suitable for it because it was predominantly a business development role. It was it was growing the network, but because my experience in hotels and finance, and um, I'm very much a, a people person and enjoy hotel operations, uh, it kind of fitted quite well for for me even. So I had a discussion with them, and the next thing you know, here we are. Um, I'm three and a half years down the down the road with with hot stats, and that that's me. That's that's how I got to this uh, position. Wow, that is an amazing story. I just loved hearing you tell that story because I'm a former hotelier myself. Um, and there were so many earmarks in your history that I could pinpoint in my history. Um, that's kind of how I got to M3 was a complete accident. Somebody found me on LinkedIn that, hey, come in for an interview. And 10 years later, here I am. So Good times, good times. So thank you for that. Um, so how long has Hotstats been in business? Yeah, so this is a, a bit of a complicated one. It's obviously well before I joined uh, three and a half years ago. Um, Hotstats was a data arm of a consultancy firm in the UK, um, okay. stretching back over 20 years. Um, so they were actually collecting profit and loss data for the, the clients of the consultancy firm. And bit by bit, those clients were were more you know larger hotel chains and uh, there was this idea that we could we could benchmark be, uh, uh, beyond Revpar so um, as as the kind of original bench had been created by then uh, which later became STR um, there was this ability to be able to collect top line data and I think the idea from the beginning with Hotstats was yeah but you could use this as business model benchmarking this could be something that could be done on a monthly basis or at least an annual basis to begin with which then developed into a monthly basis for their clients um but as you then get early partnerships with the likes of IHG and with with Hilton and some of the um the other large hotel chains what that then gives you is kind of global presence so you're able you know you, we collect the data on a monthly basis for these large hotel chains um globally and that enables you to have pockets of data in pretty much everywhere in the world. Um, and of course, that was the original start of this. And, and so, so uh, grateful for those, you know, those companies who kind of were, were the, the kind of the initial customers who were able to drive this and, and give us that presence um, that was then built on later on. In 2013, 14, CBRE acquired TRI Hospitality, which was the, the, the consultancy firm that Hotstats was part of. Um, and Hotstats, at the time, it was the, the stakeholders were able to take quite a clean decision of actually this could be a good thing for Hotstats because we become a third party, we become independent of a consultancy practice. And what that means we can do is we can work with you know lots of consultancy practices globally um, and also, of course, with all of the hotel chains. So since 2014, uh, Hotstats have put a lot of effort into 
driving you know larger um the, the the kind of networks of large hotel chains globally um predominantly coming out of the us um but actually the largest markets were by far in the uk um and the uae uh, in in the middle east um, as TRI hospitality also had an arm in, in the Middle East as well. So I think there was a there was an, an initial kind of ramp up there. Um, and then as things have moved forward, of course, we've just increased our partnerships globally. Um, we've Our team, when I joined, if I tell you three and a half years ago, our team was around 10 people um, and we are now at 55. Um, we, we were sat at around four or 5,000 hotels um, and we're now just under 9,000 hotels globally. Um, so the size of the growth over the last few years has been crazy and I'm not certainly not taking credit for, uh, for for that. I jumped on a very fast moving train. But of course, you know, there is a lot of I think the, the one thing the Hofstad has looked to achieve from the beginning was to be able to deliver comparable benchmarkable data throughout the hotel P&L that is actionable and granular enough to be able to 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 action it. But at the same time, high level enough to uh, to keep it comparable um, and really move the industry away from an, a kind of a sole obsession with RevPAR, um, which I think we've we've kind of built the whole industry on um, and actually start looking at that, the, the reality of the situation, which is hotels are complex models. Hotels have lots of different arms and revenue streams. Um, they have lots of, uh, you know, parts to the cost to base and the makeup of, of hotel operations. And therefore, the data that supports it and the you know the the analysis that we we utilize to make good decisions needs to be more complex than one or two metrics. That's like the you know I guess the overarching point of of why hot what hot stats brings to the business. That's awesome. Um, so, what is the mission of hot stats? I mean, do you guys have a a blanket mission statement, or what is what is Michael's mission at hot stats? Well, it's it's around what I what I said then, um, which is for us to be able to. I mean, I will read out our kind of sale elevator pitch or our, our our structured mission statement. Our mission has been clear from the beginning, which was to be able to um, number one be the the kind of go to um, P and L benchmarking provider for hoteliers um, and to educate the industry. On, and that sounds a bit you know arrogant to say that we're educating the industry, but really because we specialize in P and L data we don't do anything else we don't have arms of other types of benchmarking or other types of services we just do PL benchmarking and and uh, market analysis so you know we we're really focused on it and we really make you know uh, ensure as best we can that you know we have number one the relevant coverage so uh, the the ability to be able to you know collectively look at certain markets with enough hotels contributing so that's certainly one of our goals is obviously to increase the coverage um, and the second thing is to be able to deliver the most granular level of benchmarking uh, available whilst keeping it comparable I think that is the the kind of the where we sit in the industry is you know we, we want to be the benchmarking provider for PL data on a monthly basis um, but we also need to ensure that as we move forward and we get into more complex hotel models, we can continue with that integrity that we've had from the beginning, which I think the industry recognizes is a very complex thing to achieve. Comparable data is a very difficult thing to achieve when you get into the granular levels of, of operations. Sure. So um, speaking from a worldwide perspective, um, would you say you have a foothold 
in all countries and all continents or are you more so in one and not the other or are you you guys worldwide so so now our largest market which is completely turned everything on its head over the last couple of years um, is the US. So we, we certainly have seen the largest growth um, of all of our markets uh, in the US. And that was mostly because it's coming from a low base. Um, of course, the US hotel market is, I think, somewhere around five times the size of the European market, for instance, where we were originally very strong anyway. Um, but it's grown everywhere. I mean, Asia Pacific now, I think we're up to around two, two and a half thousand hotels in Asia Pacific. Um, we've certainly already had a good stance in, in Europe and Middle East and Africa for some time. There are certainly more fragmented markets that are more difficult for us to, to, um, to be in. So if you take Africa as a, as a continent, for instance, the, you can't really compare it to the United States when it comes to working with hoteliers because you know, there are less in the way of large third party operators. Um, there's certainly not um, that, as, as much brand uh, managed presence there. Um, which is predominantly where, you know, where we 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 get our starting points with um, with hotel groups and with with different uh, parts of the world. So, you know, if you're going into markets like the US, for instance, most of the volume will come from the fact that you're working with quite large operators, and that you know automatically will 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 present quite large coverage. In in Africa, you know, as a, as an obvious example, it's not that straightforward. And there are also countries. You know, like um, I guess the the Scandinavia and and pockets of uh, of Europe, um, where there's there's still a slight reluctance to um, to share data, um, and also uh, there there is again you know quite maybe one or two large operators, but actually outside of that, not a huge amount of um, of other branded presence in order for for them to be able to benchmark. So that is always the chicken and egg situation. You need to make sure there's enough coverage for you know for hoteliers who want to sign up and and uh, you know and come on board with hot stats. Um, we need to have the 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 volume. And often, like I said from the beginning, it's the it's the innovative forward thinking operators that in the in the early days was the IHD and the Hiltons, the you know Marriotts, um, who were who kind of saw the 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 outcome of this would be positive, but it could take some time. And originally, maybe we could only help them with five or ten percent of their hotels to have a competitive set. Um, but they would present us the, you know, all of their data globally because that would enable us then to help them help us. You know, so that's kind of the, yeah, the the model. So I've seen your your um, you know example report, so I know what's in them. But for the benefit of our listeners. Um, can you kind of maybe give a rundown of some of the most sought after data pieces that are in um, maybe your your basic reporting model? I know you've got one that y'all distribute on a regular basis, and then I know you have some custom reports that are available as well. But for the for the regular reporting, what are the earmarks that you uh, your customers find most helpful? What is what is the most in demand pieces of data? Yeah, I mean, there are. I guess there's two two main arms to what we do. We have the um, the monthly benchmarking, which is operational benchmarking for um, either a hotel um, or a group of hotels, um, where they're able to measure their performance versus their competitive sets uh, each each month, and that is right the way through 500 KPIs um, on our reporting platform, our online platform. So that that it's. Really, everything around Hotstat is built around that, um, and that's a, that's a really good thing because what that means is that we need to be able to, like I said, achieve the comparability and the consistency of the data, 
Um, so when the other arm of the business, which is market analysis, so um, the likes of the investment community, the banks, the funds, the uh, consultants and analysts of the industry will purchase data from us um, to get uh, an idea from maybe a helicopter view all the way down to selecting a specific four hotel sample of what the profitability and and you know right the way through the PNL um, the KPIs are uh, what they look like for for that market. So that that's the really the two arms. The products that are available are, is the online uh, the online platform um, which gives you access to all of the 500 KPIs, which is pretty much um, what all of the operators will use uh, and owners alike. And then from the other side of the business, which is the kind of perimeter stakeholders of the industry, um, they will often buy market data and they can do that by buying a one-off report, which mm. is delivered in Excel. It's useful for feasibility, for underwriting, for um, static reporting. Um, and then they can also subscribe to those markets using the, the same online platform that the operators use. Um, to be able to track markets on a monthly basis, which is the, I guess, the the the, the kind of more evolving uh, view of the of the market for things like pre-opening, uh, for monitoring, um, you know, profitability of certain markets and certain types of hotels, uh, that that can often be utilised um, by by the, the investment community as well. Awesome, thank you so much. So. Um, looking at Q1 of 2022, are you able to share with me um, some trends that you're seeing so far um, in this year? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, if I focus on the US as I think uh, the the obvious starting point, uh, we're obviously very much global and we draw global context, but the stories are quite similar across the world. Um, what we're seeing across the US is that uh, I presented at Alice uh, back last month, I guess, uh, in, in LA, um, and the story was a full year picture of 2021. And if you look at the full year picture, the, the stories that were emerging uh, throughout the data were things like, for instance, I'll give you a few examples um, and how they, they evolved by the time we got to the end of the year, which is basically what we've walked into 2022 with. So the full year picture looked like we had taken out huge amounts of costs of the back of house areas of hotels um, because the pandemic had kind of forced that on us. And whereas different markets around the world had reacted differently uh, from a um, subsidy and a, a way of uh, supporting hoteliers. So in Europe, for instance, pretty much most of the countries in Europe gave a government level subsidy to support payroll, to support the um, the employees of the business. So even if they we didn't have any work for them, they were still paid almost 100% of their salary and they were still an employee of that company. So when the pandemic or when the the, the furlough, as we, as we call it here, was ended, those um, those employees came back to the business because they were ultimately you know around. But actually, that was the the idea behind it. But what really happened in reality was a lot of these employees left the business, found a job doing something else where the hours were were you know were were lower. There was you know um, they had more time on their hands to spend with their family. They were still getting paid, um, and they then I think for many people realised that hotels is actually quite a tough place to be. Certainly right now. Um, and we've been left with a bit of a stigma um, on on the with my other hat. I'm actually the chair of the advisory board for a charity in the UK, a um, hospitality charity, which I, I believe very strongly. And I'm, a, I'm an advocate for the industry and, and work really hard to promote the industry as a place to work. 
And it's been a real challenge. Um, and you've seen it in the US. It's been exactly the same issue there, albeit not really supported by the same level of um, government support. It's You've had government support there. There were these um, forgivable loans and there was, of course, some, some um, employment protection as well, uh, paycheck protection. But actually, you know, it, it's it's a very different kind of concept and what happened is a lot of people left the industry and just never came back um so the, that has driven not only operational challenges um in the early part of last year it actually had presented huge savings to the pnls at a time when hoteliers really needed them um so people leaving and you know the the hotel was not having to pay for them meant that you know we were able to cut costs you know pretty dramatically um and on a permanent basis, because actually many of the, the parts of the hotel operation, we've just decided to change the way we do it completely. And therefore, a lot of that talent was not necessarily needed to, um, when we started ramping back up. But in the areas of front, front office, housekeeping, operate, you know, uh, food and beverage, um, and certainly the likes of chefs, for instance, you know, these are really, really difficult to recruit right now. And that is driving the cost of, um, of labor up. In a, in a huge way um, as, as such is supply and demand. So that that has been the, the kind of the clear um, issue there. In Europe, we've still got an issue with the energy costs, which um, I, th I think we can't exaggerate enough how bad that situation is. So we're looking at double, you know, double the energy costs for hotels in the UK um, and in much of Northern Europe. The US has not really seen um, that level of issue yet. Uh, there's a supply cost issue, of course, because as the industry wakes back up um, and the supply chain wakes back up following the pandemic, there's still a lot of lag there. Um, there's still some challenges with cross-border, um, you know, uh, delivery of goods. But I think the key issues, as we're seeing right now, is this inflation uh, inflation increase on the on the cost lines in labour, um, in supplies, um, and uh, and in some some locations in energy. We've been in a pandemic for the last couple of years. Um, I have been optimistic, but I guess it's just my nature. I thought we were gonna come out of it by the end of 2021, um, but here we are. Um, a lot of the industry experts are expecting us, or predicting rather, that we're going to uh, come out of this and see a recovery by the end of 2023. Is that something you could agree with? Well, um, I don't really wanna, uh, labor on the the kind of um, the the minutiae of the, the the discussion, I guess. But the I guess the starting point is defining what is coming out of the pandemic, because actually, you know, if you're here in in Europe right now, certainly in you know in the UK, uh, I was in I was in Holland yesterday, or in the Netherlands as we should call it now, um, where um, you know things are just open, everything is happening now. There's there is no real restrictions, traveling between countries very easily, um, and it doesn't feel it feels like the pandemic is almost already over here anyway you know there's there's a stopping of testing self-isolation's ended so these things are starting to really change conferences are happening um, and actually i don't see that um as the kind of end to the pandemic because of course for the hotel industry what are we trying to get back to um things have changed over the last three years um getting back to 2019 levels i think is the starting point and the reference point for for good reasons um, but the reality of the situation is we are not going to get back to 2019 business mix um, because so much has changed in, in the last three years. The cost lines have been thrown up in the air and, and have changed, you know, dramatically. Um, the, the, the mix of 
fixed and variable costs means that you know we've seen a massive increase in the variable areas of the business like i said we've taken up huge amounts from the back of house areas of the business um so for seasonal hotels for instance is a good example of it in those low months where seasonal hotels generally may make a loss um, or certainly hover around the break-even point during 2021 um, many seasonal hotels around the world made record levels of profit because they were able to strip up costs in the way they've never done before. What we considered as fixed before, um, we now consider as possibly semi-variable. Um, a zero-based budget has meant that we have totally changed the way that we uh, we look at hotel operations and, and are doing things you know, uh, different. I think many things will continue that way. But going back to when we will return, if we're talking about 2019 levels, um, I think, if, and if we talk about profitability, because uh, I think revenue is a, is a complex matter, but if you take everything together and you look at the changes of costs, um, I think I, I think we're talking 2024 before we're going to get back to the same profit levels or or similar profit levels because we're having to adapt to a change in customer base, to um, different ways of operating hotels, these operational headwinds and inflationary increases, um, and and still trying to decipher what you know what the future hotel looks like. What is the future of conference and events? What is the future of uh, a corporate traveler? Now we have Zoom and we have these you know, these wonderful online um, uh, capabilities now. So very long uh, answer to your question. I, I, I think 2024 would be sensible um, as a reference. I certainly don't see it in the next 12 months because as we're seeing things right now, we were we were heading back towards 2019 levels and because of these operational challenges um, and the slowdown of the ramp up of revenues, uh, we actually are are heading further south than when we were um, only three months ago um, because th these this this inflation is is pretty um, is pretty tough on the on the bottom line. So thank you so much for your analysis on that. Uh, it's always good to hear. Um, a different perspective and certainly a conservative perspective. So thank you very much for that and the detail in that. I appreciate that. So um, just wrapping things up here, I know that we at M3, we're going to um, be going to a couple of shows this year. We're going to be going to AhoaCon, High Tech. Are you, I believe I have seen you guys at a couple of those shows in the past. Do you know if you all will be in attendance there where people can come and shake your hand and say hello? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I, I'm doing quite a lot actually in the US this year. Um, I'll certainly be over for NYU. Um, we will be at High Tech and AHOA. Um, we'll be at the M3 conference actually uh, in June. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the data presentation at uh, in in um, in St Pete's for that. So, yeah, looking forward to to meeting everybody and of course to get in touch on LinkedIn or uh, get in touch with me directly uh, following this. It'd be it'd be great to to meet up. Absolutely, I will send you an invitation on LinkedIn right after this. And um, is there any parting words you'd like to leave with us? No, not at all. I mean, it's quite straightforward, really. I think the um, the the relationship that obviously M3 customers have with with Hotstats, I think uh, you, you're going to offer some of that information or further information on that anyway. Um, really, for from our point of view, what we're you know what we're bringing to the table here is 
is that kind of market context which has never really been this important for me as a I'm also a finance you know, you know a hotel finance person myself and certainly the the opportunity I see here is the fact that you have last year which is not really that great for us right now and probably won't be for some time budgets I really really take my hat off to anybody who's doing a budget right now um, because I think that is certainly something I I, I I don't miss and and would be a, very much a challenge right now forecasting is ever more difficult but the one reference point I think is always live and always relevant is going to be how the market are doing um, and your competitors um, which is exactly what we're, we're looking to achieve here so the the, um, the ability to be able to benchmark against the customers I think without that your um, you're kind of driving in the dark right now because things are are ever evolving and very liquid so um yeah i think that's the the point to take advantage of absolutely and going back to the beginning of our conversation you were talking about that you know hoteliers have always lived and breathed by their revpar numbers and i i remember you know that was like the the old saying in the hotel was revpar's king right but I think you're absolutely spot on. You know, data is king now. You need that data. You need to know what's going on so you can be fluid and make adjustments as needed so that you can stay profitable and stay open to serve your guests. So um, well, I, I, kind of, I kind of like uh, one from William Denning, which I share with you to leave, I guess, is um, is the is the idea that without um, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. Um, and I think it's very, very straight. It's very candid, but it's so true. Um, there's an element of without an opinion and just another person with data, which is is very, you know, very leveling and, and very true. But certainly without that kind of bit of objective, you know, analysis, I, I think you're you are very much being opinion um, driven. And, you know, looking at uh, data is, is is the reason I'm with Hotstats, I think, is that I, I strongly believe in the need for that. Awesome. Well, Michael, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. I sure appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you at all the conferences this year, AHOACON, High Tech, M3's Partners Meeting, and I'm sure at various other places throughout the U.S. as we are all traveling. Thank goodness. We're back to traveling. So. Finally, exactly. Very nice oh, to meet you. Thank you you too, much. sir. I sure appreciate it. Have a great day. M3 customers can utilize Hotstat's comprehensive monthly profit and loss analysis reports to track financial performance across more than 500 key performance indicators using data sourced from millions of guest rooms across more than 120 global hotel brands. Hotstat's benchmarking services identify areas of outperformance and underperformance to help M3 customers implement strategies to boost their revenue, contain cost, and improve their bottom line. Using dedicated APIs, M3 can make customer financial data available to Hotstats seamlessly and securely. Once customers grant permission to share their data, they will receive data comparisons based on asset classes across regional and nationwide trends within two weeks. Hotstats also delivers custom competitive property comparisons for a nominal fee. If you're interested, please contact me at Christy, K-R-I-S-T-Y, at m3as.com or call me at 770-531-3745. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of M3 Minutes. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe.